following sports program is brought to you by the Loaded Bases Podcast. This is New York. Everybody late. Everybody. Alessandro De Janeiro. Alessandro, how are you doing? Doing all right. Going to Colorado on Saturday. Pretty hyped about that. Um, very excited about uh, these two New York baseball teams. Question. Good time. Have it's you ever been to, to the Denver airport? Yeah, I, I've, I've been twice now. Have you heard things airport. about the Denver airport? Yes, I have. Can you so confirm anything horse. is weird at the Denver airport? This is for well, research okay, purposes. Well, so, so the Denver airport um, is abnormal, ab- abnormally large. It is bigger than Manhattan. Is it actually? It, it is fucking actually. There's underground what space. The fuck. That's what I'm saying. That I dude. knew. The Denver airport is crazy. Yeah, because there's something about like they have like some military base or yep. like, some shelter for like a president or some shit. There's a statue of like a horse, like the Bronco or, or a, for, with, a like, Ferrari the blue or something. Eyes. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. The Bronco. Or whatever it the is. Bronco. Yeah, and it fell. Like the uh, the artist like built it, and then the day that like they unveiled it or something, it like fell on him or some shit and killed him. It was some crazy fucking weird shit. Just a just a uh, quick not, not not really vibes I want to be talking about before I go to Denver. Honestly, well, I kind of want to stay away from these. Uh, apparently, there's just I don't know rumblings that it's like if the world ever ends, like everybody that's like famous, like uh, goes like to the like the Denver airport to like to like hunger down. That's apparently a thing. But uh, I'm gonna go over there and be like, hey, Alessandro De Gennaro, little based podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know this, uh, but I have host the Loaded Bases podcast. Uh, Barack Obama, move over. Um, yeah, I was next in line <laughs> to be saved. Uh, but um, yeah, well, oh man, I mean, you know, some people have uh, Nobel Peace prizes. Prizes. We have a podcast, so. Uh, anyway, let's just just try and do our part. Exactly. Just try and make, do our part. Make the world better every time <laughs> we talk. Um, but uh, yeah, so just jumping in uh, because there's really no way to transition from that conversation. Right. Uh, so we're gonna go over a couple topics today. Uh, these Mets and Yankees are they the best of our lifetime? We were born in the '90s. We're '90s babies. '94. Uh, we'll extend that to the '90s, but you know, uh, our lifetime and maybe slightly a little bit uh, prior. It's a solid period of time. It's, it's roughly solid 30 years. Time, yeah. It's a solid period of Are time. Are these two yeah. teams the best ones of our lifetime? Um, we'll get into that. Uh, of course, you know, we're only 52 games, or now I guess the Yankees 53 and about to be 54 games into the season. Uh, but we'll get into that. Um, also, now that the Mets and Yankees have gotten off to these these hot starts, are they postseason locks? We know that 12 teams uh, get into the playoffs this year. Uh, it's looking very good for both teams, but as we know, the Mets collapsed uh, last year. So are the Mets safe from that, and are the Yankees safe from the teams uh, in the division breathing down their neck? And lastly, we're going to revisit an old topic. Uh, prior to the season, Alessandro, you and I were talking about 
the fact that both New York shortstops had very you know down years relative to both of their production. Uh, and we talk about who's going to have the greater year-over-year improvement. So not best year comparing the two, but which player is going to have the greatest year-over-year improvement. Um, but Alessandro, before we begin, uh, do you mind running through the uh, Yankees injuries? Yes. And updating Okay. Us? Yeah. So, so important to go over it, obviously, because the Yankees have, have had uh, such a good start. But obviously, they have not been able to avoid the injury bug. So right now, we have Donaldson and Stanton, who are both about to end their 10-day uh, IL stints. They should be back later this week. Stanton, uh, they're thinking on Saturday. And then Donaldson at some point later this week. Chapman um, was cleared to resume playing catch on Tuesday. Uh, he ruptured his Achilles. That doesn't sound great. Uh, they should, probably shouldn't rush him back. He also he started off the year strong, but anyway, I don't I won't get into it. He started off the year strong, but then he started to falter and then ruptured his Achilles. So Tim Castro is uh, going to begin a rehab assignment in AAA on Tuesday. Um, ben Rortvert, you know, it's a good thing they went out and got Trevino. Uh, after they traded for Robert, um, because he just started walking normally without crutches on Friday. So that doesn't seem so great, and he's still on the 60-day day, uh, day IL. And then Chad Green is out for the season with Tommy John surgery. You know what's funny? I, I heard somebody say this the other day about Chad Green. I think it was in 2015, Sports Illustrated did an article about um, pitchers who were the most likely uh, to need to require Tommy John surgery at some point in their career based on all the pitchers in the league. I don't know how they compiled the information. I don't know how they decided it. Um, but the last person on the list, the least likely to require Tommy John surgery in their career was Chad Green. And now, seven years later, he's getting Tommy John surgery and he's out for the, out for the season. So big blow for the Yankees. Um, their bullpen seems to be falling apart, but we'll get into that later. Yep, and uh, moral of the story is ruptured spleen does not sound good. Uh, so no. now that the Yankees injury updates have been covered, I will cover the Mets uh, today. Oh, and the wise is on the 15-day aisle. My bad. Oh, okay, thanks for interrupting Sorry. me, a-hole. No, I'm <laughs> uh, so Francisco Lindor is day-to-day uh, after he said to reporters that he jammed his finger in a hotel. He that went on to explain Cat. how... Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, this would not be the first uh, incident that has happened to Francisco Lindor that seems a little weird, the last being the raccoon fiasco of... uh, You know, the problem is that you do it to yourself. You know what I mean? You do it to yourself. Normal situation, I slammed a finger on his door. But now, given context, given history, eh, you do it to yourself. Yeah, well, either way, he's day-to-day. Cap. Either way, he's (laughs) day-to-day. Either way, he's day-to-day. So we'll see... Uh, if he can return for Friday, Tyler McGill, which I still refuse to, he is Tyler. His name is Tyler. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, Tyler McGill. Is it, pro- it, is it pronounced Tyler? It's apparently pronounced Tyler, and I don't like it. But It's it, a little pretentious. Well, it's his name. But uh, Tyler McGill, sure, sure. his biceps, he, um, or he hurt his biceps, rather, uh, through live BP at City Field on Tuesday. So that is a great report. Usually when you start throwing live BP, your IL stint is uh, coming to a close. Trevor May uh, was on the 60-day IL uh, May 30th, and he will be uh, out for a while at least, and we were awaiting to hear the uh, 
We are waiting to hear the results of his CAT scan on his triceps. Jacob deGrom, I always feel like when we hear deGrom updates, it's always just like, just like the most minor thing ever. Like, it's like he feels good or like he watched TV or like, but uh, <laughs> deGrom is uh, still on the 60 day IL. Uh, but May 28th, we got an update that he's throwing from 135 feet and feels, quote, completely normal. Uh, so, you know, the, you know, the early prognosis was that he was going to be out for a huge chunk of the season. Um, based on that, you know, like a, like a late June, July, you know, uh, expected time doesn't seem so crazy. Um, so that's really good to hear. Uh, Max Scherzer was on the 15 day IL. Uh, however, of course it's retroactive to May 19th. So we, he should be out for the foreseeable future. James McCann, uh, when underwent successful surgery on May 17th uh, for his left wrist. Um, Sean Reed Foley, probably, uh, he's gone for a while. Of course, he underwent uh, Tommy John. And, of course, since we recorded the podcast last, Taiwan Walker was uh, activated from the IL and is pitching tonight in LA. So that's it. Ah, that's the news and notes. That's good. Yeah, they, they need him back. Um, but, yeah, so let's just kind of get into it. Uh, the, this is a fun... Let's do it, bruh. Oh, okay, I don't sound like that. Do I, do I sound like that? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyway, no. Um, so, this, these, both these teams are really good. Um, I saw a tweet. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it is a Twitter man. Uh, Rich MacLeod. He's a, he's a poppin' Twitter man. I don't know. Everyone on Mets Twitter loves him. But um, he made this tweet. It was actually kind of kind of dope. I was looking at it. it. Said, "Woke up this morning, legitimately asking myself the question: Is this the best the best Mets team of my lifetime?" And it made me think, as it made him think: Is this the best the best Mets team of my lifetime? A uh, little arbitrary to go my lifetime. So if you extend it back to the '90s, you know, back from those like, you know, those 1986 teams that kind of like fell apart by the 1990s. Right. Uh, and then kind of started to get good in the early 90s, uh, and then, of course, bad again. But uh, if you look back to, you know, the 1990s and up until now, you I would say about four teams really stand out for the Mets. And, of course, we'll get into the Yankees in a moment. But it's the 1999 team that won 97, the 2000 team that won 94 but made it to the World Series, uh, which we don't talk about. Um, 2006, right, that when they won... 97, uh, and we're in first place and, uh, you know, uh, lost in the NLCS, of course, in heartbreaking fashion and this year and of these years, can you, of course you can guess, right? Which team through 52 games is off to the best start. And I, I think, uh, we can, we can all guess it is, it is the 2022 team, but I kind of wanted to see just going back between those teams, like what did they look like? You know, um, at this point in you know their first 52 games, right? Because the Mets are, are notorious for like starting off hot and then getting cold. So I looked at their mm -hmm. first 52, and I will go backwards here in time, starting uh, with 2022. This current team uh, is 35 and 17. Uh, the 2006 team, at this point, was 29 and 23. The 2000 team at this point was 20, or, or excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. The, this current team is 35 and 17. The 20, 2006 team is 29 and 23. The 2000 team uh, was 25 and 27 at this point. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that's uh, yeah. not good. So, and the, the 1999 team was uh, also sub 500. So when we look back at these great teams and we think like, you know, what, um, you know, how, how good were they, right? Like, this is by far the best team. Like, yeah, the, the, 30, the 32 and 20 team of 2006 is that 197 is also, you know, fantastic, you know, fantastic 12 games of five, above 500 team. But when you look at this team, Alessandro, what, what do you, like, what, which team do you think is the best talent wise? And what, you know, what, uh, well, well, talent-wise, it's a little bit of a different story. I think that I, I think right now, clearly, you have to say that the 2022 Mets are the best team of our lifetime, um, which is kind of, you know, it's pretty awesome to say that, um, and especially the fact that since Scherzer's gone down, I believe they've only lost two or three games. That was almost like two and a half weeks ago. Um, so that's fantastic. And essentially this team that's already 35 and 17 is going to make, if you think about it, theoretically, or not theoretically, but, you know, basically they're making a, 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 an acquisition at the deadline to get the two best pitchers in baseball, so which is going to be DeGrom and Scherzer. So I think that this team is, through 50 games, the best Mets scene that we've seen so far, and they have the best potential to carry it at least into the NLCS. The problem with the 2006 team is I think that their team gets a lot of flack because after Beltran struck out looking in the NLCS, they collapsed the next year in September, right? And that was like the biggest like Mets collapse, I would say, well, that I, we've seen I in our lifetime of, also. I always think of the, that year, the Mets. I know a lot of people kind of like disagree with this statement, but I think their pitching – that was kind of overrated. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if we look at the, you know, the run scoring environment of the, you know, the, the mid two thousands and nineties, like it's not the same, like the, you know, I know that. Right. Um, but if you look at the Mets, you know, starting five in 2006, it was of age 40, Tom Glavin, who was, I mean, objectively very good, but Steve Traxel, uh, Pedro Martinez, who was 34 and had a 4.48 ERA. And again, I know ERA is not always like the best metric to use, but, um, you know, he had a, a 98 ERA plus, right? Like right. Orlando Hernandez, again, like a, like a very serviceable pitcher. And I guess that's your number four, but like, and then John Main, who honestly at age 25, that was like one of, that was like a lightning in a bottle season, but it was like through 90 games and he did well. I mean, like, he, he did well, but like, that's not like a, you know, uh, that's not like a, you know, a, a terrific, uh, pitching staff. Um, yeah. you know, so I think that is probably much weaker if you look at this team. Um, right. I think that the, the one thing that might prevent you from saying this about the Mets is just the way that we viewed them in the off season. Obviously that doesn't really mean anything because it's about what they do. But when, when you were being kind of pessimistic or, or rather you were just being um, just like kind of cautious about your predictions with the Mets, it was based off of certain things. It was based on the fact that they're one of the oldest teams in the league. I mean, can you rely on a 35-year-old Carrasco down the stretch? Can you rely on Chris – I think you can, but can you rely on Chris Bassett, 33 turning 34, down the stretch? Adam Adovino is 36 years old. 
You know, so this is a team that is ex- playing extremely well right now without their two best players in Scherzer and DeGrom. And they're going to get them back eventually here. But <clears throat> are they going to be able to maintain uh, their offensive success? I think they will, they'll be able to. But also, will, they, will their pitching be able to hold up? And it, it, it looks like it, it – it looks like it does. They don't even the pitching doesn't even really need to hold up. They kind of just need to wait it out until Scherzer and Degrom get back because that is a huge relief to get two guys. I don't know how deep into games Degrom's going to be going, but to get two guys who are so dominant, that's a huge relief. But then you have to rely on the bullpen. Um, so we'll see. I think I think that that so far through fifty games, they've been the best team of our lifetime. Do I think they have the potential to continue it? I don't know. I'm 50-50 on it. But I think if I if I had to bet my money, I would say they would. If I had to bet my money, I would say the Mets are going to win over 100 games and are going to win the division. And the reason why I'm saying that is because they have the best record through June 1st, or rather they have the biggest lead in a division through June 1st um, in NL history. They're ten and a half games up. You're ten and a half games up. That's that's a lot of games. Um, and now, of course, the last team to have to hold that was the Giants, and they were ten games up, and they ended up finishing that season like one game. They won the division by like one game or something. But still, um, it's a big it's a big lead to blow. And I don't know if this team. I think that they're um, locked in enough, which is such a stupid, like intangible word, locked in. I think they're locked in enough. But I think that they have. The ability to not collapse. Well, um, I think, um, but it's baseball, so nobody really knows. Yeah, so I think just kind of going back to uh, you know the original question, like if this is the best team of our lifetime, um, I think again weighing the amount of games that have been played, um, the Mets are doing what they're doing right now without their two best pitchers. Right, they're doing this with yeah. a very minimal roster uh, you know a very a very minimal uh, or, or a number of their best players being injured um the 2006 team i think was you know i mean if you look at the 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 um the thumpers in the lineup you had a prime right you had a prime delgado uh, or not prime but like a still very very good delgado you know a, a terrific uh beltron like that two three four i think that that is probably better than the mets you know three, four, five now. Um, but pound for pound, I think that this is probably a deeper offense than, than that, than that team. Um, and it's weird because if you look at the Mets pitching now, um, and you look at like what they've done, I I think it's almost as if they're, they haven't been tested. I think fully, I know that they, you know, uh, they won the series. They've been winning series against terrific teams, against the Giants and against the Cardinals. Um, you know, yeah. and they've been and they've had, but they've had a very light schedule. I will say, this this series against the Dodgers, and I know we're sort of blending the question now, but yeah, um, I think I would go ahead and say this is the best team of our lifetime, only because we're already this. They're already this good, and they're still without their two best players almost the uh, in Scherzer and DeGrom um if you had told me this was going to happen prior to the, the beginning of the season I, I just straight up would say you're nuts um 
I mean, imagine if I told you, if I predicted, I said the Met, you know, even if DeGrom and Scherzer get injured, the Mets are going to have a 10 game lead by, by June. You'd, you'd be like, okay, Homer, like, you know, but it's, yeah. but it's wild. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is definitely, I think this is without a doubt the best Mets team. They win, uh, in many different ways. Um, and we will get into more of their skill, but let's go into the Yankees. Um, are the is this the best is this the best excuse me Yankees team of your lifetime? Well, I think I think for you know and this is not a dig at the Mets, <clears throat> but I think it's a it's a, a much you can make a much more definitive answer with the Mets. Just because I could come up Mets with four teams in thirty years. Exactly, yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. So like you know, it, and that's not a dig at the Mets at all. Well, it's no, it's they just haven't a fact. Been, it's just true. They've the, been you asked. know, my, the Yankees, the mo of the Yankees over the past twenty years have been teams that have been really dominant, top of the pack, top four, five teams in the league, but haven't been able to win the World Series, excluding two thousand nine and excluding 2014, 2015 as like a top team in the league. But other every other year and twenty sixteen, but all other years in the two thousands over the past twenty two seasons. So let's say nineteen of the tw- past twenty two seasons, the Yankees have just been a really good team at the top of the pack who have not been able to get over the hump. Now that being said, this is the first time, or this is the ninth time that the Yankees have started out 35 and 15 or better in their first uh, 50 games. And that's the ninth time in the history of the Yankees. And six of those times, they went on to win the World Series. So you get stats like that when you're the Yankees. You get these stats about, you know, this team started out this good, and then they went on to win the World Series. It's pretty good. But obviously, I don't think you can say that this is the best Yankees team of our lifetime. This is 1998. You know, these teams started out fantastic, went on, and finished the job. The 98 team finished with the second-best record in baseball history so and is considered the best team of all time. So the 98 Yankees uh, through the first 50 games were 37-13. Now, this is where it gets a little scary, okay? So the Yankees are about to be, if they win tonight, and they're about to win tonight, I think there's only like one out. Yeah, there's like one out left in the top of the ninth. So they're going to be 36-15. and 15. They're going to have the best record in baseball. Um, what's scary is, do you know what their record was in 2018 through their first 50 games? Um, I do not know that offhand. It was 33. It was 33 and 17. So only about a game worse than what they are right now. And their record in 2019 through the first 50 games was 33 and 17. So since 1994... This is the best, the second best uh, Yankees start since over the past 28 years. So 94, 33 and 17. 2018, 33 and 17. 2019, 33 and 17. 99, 37 and 13. Now, we know that in 2018 with the Yankees and in 20, now the, the 20, the 94 Yankees, I can't, I, it was the year I was born, but also. They were expected to go to the World Series that year and face the Expos, and then the season got canceled. So that's a wash. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's a. But we yeah. know, yeah. My bad. We know what the 2018 Yankees were like. We know what the 2019 Yankees were like. So while it is scary to be like, oh shit, those teams also had a really good start to their season. We know that those teams were lacking um, starting depth, and the Yankees have a really solid starting five. 
That is what has been the difference. Um, the emergence of Nestor Cortez, Jamison Tyone coming into his own, Montgomery being able to do what he, what he can do. Severino obviously is not the Severino that he used to be, but is still a really, really good pitcher in this league. And Cole is just Cole. So that alone, and then plus with the depth with Clark Schmidt and Michael King and these other guys that they can rely on, and then the bullpen, which has been struggling, but you have Clay Holmes, that you can the discovery of Clay Holmes. Then you have guys like Anthony Rizzo. They just picked up Matt Carpenter. There's something about this team that has that feel, and it's fucking crazy to think about it that way because I grew up watching, like, my favorite teams had Hideki Matsui and Posada and Jeter and, 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 and you know, Paul O'Neill and all these different players. Um, and to think that this is the second best start in the past 28 years uh, through the first 50 games is crazy. So... I would say it's the second best team of our lifetime because, but I think also just judging on, especially when you go back to the other two starts of the season that that are uh, third and fourth respectively, respectively at 2018 and 2019, this team is much better than those teams. It just is. You know, 2017 was a, a bit of a fluke, and then they missed out on Otani. They got Stan, but they didn't have the pitching, and their offense, they didn't really have the offense either. 2019 was next man up year. Everybody was next man up. And Duhar, Clint Frazier. Um, so they were playing, they were throwing out Cameron Maben. In 2018, they had Matt Holiday playing on like right field or left field or whatever. So I think that if the Yankees can get their players back and stay healthy, that they have the potential to do extremely well this year and potentially go all the way. As well as, which is what I said before about the Mets. So I, it's not the best team, obviously, because of 98. But it is the second best team, so that's something. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say that, of course, uh, both of these teams have gotten, or both of those Yankees teams have gotten off to uh, incredible starts. It is a little interesting, just because when you look at the those Yankees teams on paper, um, pound for pound, like I don't know which team is better exactly, because if you look no. at the Yankees lineup. Like, okay, you have, let's see. You have let me hear it. several MVPs in the, in the Yankees lineup uh, this year, or like past MVPs. You have a player in Aaron Judge who was on pace to hit 66 home runs and is batting 300. Yeah. You have a Giancarlo Stanton who is, I mean, when he's healthy, of course, is, is not only a former MVP, but was already having a, a pretty solid season and showing, you know, I mean, he always starts a little cold, but he was... He was having a ridiculous start to the season. Ridiculous. I love Stan. Yeah. And He's then, so And then you had fire. Rizzo, who also had that insane start to the season. Um, and then you have right. a catcher who's, yeah, okay, maybe he's not doing great, but, like, I think I heard on he's the Yankees broadcast. Yeah, he's batting two sixty three yeah. when league average for catchers is, like, near the 200. Yeah, so um, yeah. I just look at these two teams. And I know, you know, we're running a little over in this segment. The the names on that, that Yankee team, like, they don't – they're not, like, eye-popping necessarily, like – Tino Martinez, Chuck Knobloch, Scott Brocious, Chad Curtis, uh, Paul right, O'Neill, right, right, but they're right. all guys who had like really lightning in a bottle years, um, you know, and so well, yeah, that's for kind like of four right. years. Yeah. So that I, all that is to say is that we're we're gonna have like the on paper conversation. Um, I think this team actually yeah. is kind of better on paper 
Uh, but you know, we'll see. Um, okay. So just, I guess your take is, is this year or, or what did you say? 1998 or 98. Okay. And I think that, yeah, well, okay. We won't get and into I, it. No, and I I'm saying, that, I'm saying this year, I think this year sol- yeah. solidly is, is the answer for me too. I think that's fucking insane, but we're not going to, we, I know we're running out of time, but yeah. to tell me, to tell me, to tell me that this team is better on paper than the 98 team that had fucking Mariano Rivera and fucking like, like Derek, Derek Jeter, Jeter and Jorge Posada, G- and Derek like, Jeter, come on. Andy okay, Pettit. Andy, I mean, it, no, it's, Andy it is Huff. nuts. Yeah. It is, su- is, is right. super nuts. Um, okay. So moving on to our next topic, um, are the Mets and Yankees now postseason locks? I know that we just mentioned that the Mets, uh, you know, um, have that 10-game lead, which is the largest margin up to this point in NL history. Um, and I know, you know, if you look at the standings for the Yankees, uh, not only is that division better, like much better, like every team is good, like even the Orioles are, are weirdly not bad. Yeah. Um, but the Yankees, despite having uh, – one of the best, or sorry, the best record in baseball, somehow only has a five and a half la- a game lead against the Blue, uh, or over the Blue Jays, I should say. Um, and the Rays are only one game behind them. And then, of course, the Red Sox are kind of like very out of it. They're 12 games out as of uh, today, which is June 2nd. Um, but they their last 10 are five and five, which is, you know, significantly better than what they were. So um, do you think the Yankees are a lock. I think this is kind of a layup question, but do you think the Yankees yeah, at this point they, are a lock? They're, they're definitely a lock, especially with the expanded playoffs. So they're a lock. I think I think that if either of these teams, not to like kind of blow away the lead here, but I think if either of these teams collapse, it's going to be a pretty big deal. So yes, I do think the Yankees are a lock. I, I the, the thing is, is that you cannot, like you said before, cannot count at the Blue Jays, you cannot count at the Rays. The Red Sox, I know that they're 12 games back. They have been playing a lot better. I think the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Red Sox, even the Red Sox, are all going to be in contention for the wild card. But I think the Yankees are going to win the division, and I think they go in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Fangraph's playoff odds has the Yankees uh, at 57% and the Blue Jays at 35%. So it is a pretty solid lock. Also, like, if we're talking about 12 teams getting in, like, the Yankees would have to be worse than the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox, the White Sox, or or one of the Twins, Guardians, uh, the Guardians. And the Guardians are, are five hundred. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of have to worry about the West, but like the Mariners are starting to fall off. They're twenty one and twenty nine, despite their really hot start. Um, and the Angels, who also had a hot start, are only three games above five hundred. So right, the Yankees just spanked them over the past three games. Yeah, the Angels pitching, of course, it's always pitching with the Angels. Um, right, you know, is is falling apart. Reed Detmers is is not breaking out like some thought he would. Uh, Noah Syndergaard cannot get strikeouts and is just really uh, reliant. He does not have you know secondary or tertiary pitches he can rely on. So. The Angels are kind of fucked, um, but <laughs> I think actually it's going to get very close. I think the Yankees are going to win, and I don't see them relinquishing first place, but I do think the Angels are going to make it close. I think that... The Angels. Or sorry, the Blue Jays, rather. Um, and of course, you know, yeah. like the Rays are going to win 90, right? Like the Rays are actually kind of on pace to win 90, um, they are on pace to win 90. Yeah, the Rays... Or Well, the Rays the are on pace are to win 
87, but it's kind of like they're the Rays are so fascinating. I don't know how the fuck they remain. I don't know how they do this every single year. It's actually insane. The Yankees just split a series with them, uh, two two. They had a four game set, and this, this team is still so good. Yeah, every, and they everything have like about half this of the team perplexed. that they went to the World Series with two years ago. Sorry, what? No, I, I, you're right. I mean, everything about this team perplexes me. Again, I, 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 I've always mentioned this when I mentioned the Rays. I mean, the. I've always had this theory that they don't try and win more games than they have to to get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's a great point. It's such a good point. Because I think that they they have this revolving door of relievers, but they never pick a specific closer, which obviously is good for base, you know, is good for them, but it's bad for players uh, because they if you have an all-star closer, you pay an all-star closer. You get an Edwin Diaz. They have about eight players that probably could be Edwin Diaz um, on the roster right now. We know they suppress value, and back in the day, when your, you know, uh, wins, you know, uh, mattered based on, and it's still this is still the case, although lesser. But like, it it you know not only your draft choice, but your international money, which is kind of like a huge deal for them. Um, if they had won more games than the Yankees, going back to I think it was 2016, the year before they had signed Wander Franco. The Yankees could have signed right, Wander yeah. Franco had the had they won more games. The Yankees, of course, ended up with um, oh his name escapes me now. He's like their number one prospect. Uh, you help Dominguez? me out here. No. Yeah, Jason Colby? Dominguez. Jason Dominguez. Oh, Dominguez. So you know the Yankees could have ended up with hey, Wander Franco, it. but and that's because of them not not make they make it to the playoffs every year, but they don't. They never somehow never mysteriously never hit like a hundred wins. It's very weird, and it's like I don't know. It's my little theory, but. In any case, they're projected to win 87 wins. Um, the Blue Jays are still projected to win, and this is I'm using Fangraphs, um, and this is as of uh, this is as of June 3rd. Fangraphs has the Blue Jays at 95 wins. So you know yeah. that's bold. That's a bold, and I agree with that actually. I think the Blue Jays. I are think 95 wins is solid. The Blue Jays are going to the playoffs. The Blue Jays are definitely going to the playoffs. I think that with the Blue Jays, and it sounds like very, this again, sounds like kind of a stupid, like, kind of a, like a um, an old man get off my lawn take, but I think that the Blue Jays lack experience. I think they lack, like, uh, playoff experience, and they remind me a lot of, like, the 2018-2017 Yankees. A lot of power uh, on paper, solid pitching, but... They don't. I mean, when the Yankees played them early in the year, there was there was no competition. It was it was kind of like embarrassing what the Yankees did to the Blue Jays. So that was obviously early in the year. Who knows how that's going to play out? They have uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who got off to a slow start at the beginning of the year. So I'm not counting them out. I'm just not sure. Of course, I'm, I don't want to eat my words. I mean, this is baseball. I think the Yankees should turn around, play some of the ALDS, and lose, right? So, but I definitely think the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs. I just don't see them as like a – I know this wasn't even a question, but I just don't see them as a threat to, to go all the way and win the championship. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the Blue Jays um, are very interesting to me because if you look at their roster, you have – a certain amount of players that are uh, underperforming what I what I mean on paper what they should. This is about the time where things are kind of evening out. Pretty yeah. pretty much all metrics have now kind of hit a stabilization point. Um, 
Hyunjin Ryu, I think, is kind of interesting because, you know, he's been... He's also on the IL, I think, right He now. might be now, but, like, he was the per- he was a person on this team that I thought was going to be great because he's a ground ball pitcher, and now he is going to one of the best infields in baseball. And that yeah. usually helps pitchers FIPS, uh, you know, tremendously. Um, however, uh, his approach has been weird he's throwing a lot more fastballs than he did uh back in the in the day um he's just getting he's just getting lit up like it's just his his uh you know he's just been terrible and jose barrios has also been a player who you know had been struggling a bit he does this jose barrios tends to struggle you know early on and then and then kind of bounce back um, well, you and I have made our opinions on Barrios well known. Yeah, but well, I think you're harder on Barrios than I am. I think he's overrated, but I think he's a solid pitcher. But he was just not doing. I mean, so do I. I think he, I don't. I'm not. I don't think Barrios is a scrub. I just no, think I know, he's incredibly yeah. overrated. Well, all I know is uh, the top three pitchers in their rotation is Alec Manoa, Jose Barrios, and and again, it's like that lack of a number three or a solid number three. Yeah. I think Hunjin Ryu, unless there's something like going on mechanically, I actually think he's going to bounce back and do well. Um, I just think that that he's getting unlucky right now, um, and I think that he's going to, you know, once he starts to be number three, then you'll kind of start like getting these kind of like, you know, w- these win streaks, and I think that they can win. So lo- that is all to say that like I don't, I think that the the Yankees have. Not had an easy schedule, by, easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. But as these teams in their division get tougher and as they play them more, um, I think that lead is going to diminish again. Not for lack of the Yankees being good, but because of the teams in the division. And again, like if you look at the projections, we see the Yankees at ninety-seven wins and the Yank- the Blue Jays at ninety-six, like or ninety-five. Like that's. Yeah, Only two. it's close. So I just think with yeah. the, the, the Yankees, just to wrap up, because I know we gotta we gotta wrap up anyway. Um, just with the Yankees, I think more so than the Mets, just because the Mets lack lack some some depth. Um, is that I don't think I don't think the Yankees are going to be stagnant at the trade deadline. Although we say this every year, I don't think that they're going to ride with Trevino the whole season at catcher, even though he's been really good. I would not be surprised if they try to make a trade for Contreras. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move either one of Gallo or Hicks. So there's going to be some things that change up um, in the midpoint of the season that I think can only that will benefit the Yankees because there are just a couple of holes on the team that are glaring issues. Um, even though Hicks has been has been uh, picking it up a little bit over the past like week or so. Um, but there's definitely uh, some things that they need to address with some of their offense and uh, catcher. But even though Trevino's been great, so I don't want to shit on Trevino. But if you can get Wilson Contreras, you got to do it. Do you, anyway. do you know what the uh, – the? so I, I took the average of uh, several sports books and uh, um, all, basically all sports books and all and including Vegas had the Yankees. Do you remember what their over-under was before the season? This is, uh, this for is wins. April, May. Or sorry, March, April. Was it 93? It was 91 and a half for the Yankees. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Well, yeah. 
So they've been outperforming that. Um, I can say, all, again, offhand, just looking up, Jordan Montgomery is outperforming his peripherals. Nestor Cortez, of course, is outperforming his, or projections, I said, should say. Um, Nestor Cortez, again, is someone who we thought this might yeah, have been... We could do an entire podcast on Nestor yeah, Cortez. Well, we should do a deep dive on him next time. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so the next, I guess, we'll just run through quickly. Like, you know, the, I think the Mets are kind of the more interesting team because in this case because they uh you know like the uh, asking the question about most teams if they had a 10 game lead i think is like you know a silly question maybe but um if you look at the division there's no other player there's no other team in the division this is a division with a team that won the world series last year uh no other team in the division is above 500 all of the teams in the division, uh, you know, including the Braves, um, they have like it's it's doesn't make sense. Like they all have great qualities. If you look at the Braves, their pitching and their hitting are both ab- above league average in terms of in like most uh, offensive and pitching categories. The Phillies, yes, their defense is terrible, the Phillies but their are, offense is amazing. The Phillies are what they are. They're not getting better. Well, this is I agree the team that's, that, that could be true for the Phillies. I do think they are, you know. I think the Braves are going to definitely get better. But the Braves, we I think, are going to get better. Um, I think their pitching has been kind of weirdly underperforming, um, with the exception of Kyle Wright. But the Marlins also. It's, like, very weird because they're this team that has all this pitching. They're they're not a bad offense, like the the pit they're yeah. you know they're this kind of like this weird team that has like these like a lot of good pieces but they're just really underperforming and the Mets of course if you remember last year they they had Degrom and they had you know a, a full healthy uh, pitching staff essentially um, and you know maybe the offense was underperforming they were under they were in first place until August sixth and then they collapsed and they ended up in third place so. Do you think the Mets are not only a completely a lock for the playoffs, but do you think um, do you think that they are um, you know are that this is this is safe and they're going to continue to be dominant? Oh, and also I, I will say one more thing: their preseason over under. Do you know what it was? Do you remember? Was it ninety? Was it eighty nine? It was eighty eight. It was, bet- it was between 87 and 88 and a half. So it right. depends on which I, sports book you look at. But I definitely think uh, the Mets are a lock. And if they collapse, you know, it's going to be like the worst collapse in Mets, in Mets history. So I, I think what you just said about the, about the Marlins is definitely true. I don't think that they have enough offense to, you know, Maybe they can make a run at the wild card. Maybe have like a, a second a, a second half uh, run. The thing is, is that we we do have to remember it's June second, right? It's June yeah, it's June second. So there's a lot of baseball left to be played. We haven't even reached the uh, sixty game mark. So while it's definitely, I think right now, like I think, like you said before, everything is stabilized. You kind of have a good indicator of where things are going. I mean, where were the Braves last year? Right now, I don't think they were in the conversation of no, uh, being thought of as a as a playoff team. So, I think the Mets are a lock. I think they're going to win the division. I think ten and a half games is too much to make up for any team. 
Um, and I think that the Mets are going to, we know that the Mets are going to get back to Grom and Scherzer. And once that happens, you know, that's it. I, I, the, the, once they get to Grom and Scherzer back, barring like catastrophic, like a catastrophic fall off from one of them, which we, the, what are the chances of that happening? I think they're a lock. I, I think, I don't think there's going to be any stopping them at least until they get to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, I do. So I do want to get hype. I do want to see, you know, how they do uh, because of this. I, w- I will I mean, say, what was, yeah, I will say about the Mets. Um, you know, they are going into L.A. right now, uh, and they're mm-hmm. it's Taiwan Walker versus the Dodgers. Very curious to right. see the Dodgers who just got swept by the Pirates, by the way. Right, and that's to me a little bit maybe not great because he, you know, just like regressing. Like yeah, if, you, true. if you lose five in a row or four in a row, um, you know, you're probably going to win a few in a row too. But, um, of course, that's, you know, anecdotal or not anecdotal, but you know what I mean. Um, but, yeah, I think I think with the Mets, um, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, just, like, how good their bullpen has been, despite it being, like, they lost Trevor May. Um, right, exactly. Their bullpen as presently constructed is, like, re- does not really have anybody that's, like, like, yes, they have Drew Smith, but besides that, it's, like, really, it's not that was kind of one of the main things going into the off season, like or going into the season. We were like, this is not like a great bullpen. Their bullpen ERA is three, six, three right now. Um, so that's pretty darn good. Like that's, I know it it is, it is a good, it is a good point. That's the one thing that scares me about the Mets. The one thing, and I'm not trying to be like some Mets hater, not trying to get down on the Mets. Please don't come after me. Mets, fucking fans on Twitter who be losing their brains. I'm just, the only thing that worries me about the Mets is can they hold up throughout the remainder of the season? When you look at their bullpen, you have a 36-year-old out of Vino, you have Joely Rodriguez, Chasen Shreve, Drew Smith. Um, you have Edwin you know, Diaz, who's been Lugo. really good this season. He's been, he's been better Lugo. as of late, but still not not great. Um, and, and, and the starting pitching while it's been doing its job, is it going to ultimately be enough to back up DeGrom and Scherzer towards the end of the season? Again, I don't think we have to worry about them missing the playoffs. I'm just worried about them making a championship, and I want the Mets to go to the World Series so badly. I know it's so early to talk about it, but we, yo, if the Yankees and the Mets go to the World Series this year, it is going to be so popping. It is going to be so... Popping. Can you imagine Yankees Mets oh, World Series? Oh my god! Just, dude. just, just with I my almost, imagination brush to, right now, if Degrom is to healthy so badly, and Scherzer's healthy, I want that. I want it to happen so badly, but at the same time, like I kind of don't because, like, I don't think either of our fan bases could take losing to the other team. Like the Yankees won in two thousand, we were a little too young for that. Honestly, let's be real. I remember it perfectly, but I was six years old. You were six years old, like. And, and and as we were growing up, when we were, like, in elementary school, like, 261 and shit, because Nick and I went to elementary school together, <laughs> we, like, that's that's what we had over That's what the Yankee fans in school had over you. Hey, we beat you in 2000. That's what we were holding over your head. But we were also, like, eight years old, nine years old. You know what I mean? If it happened now, if the Yankees beat the Mets now, or if, and if the Mets beat the Yankees, oh, my God, if the Mets beat the Yankees in the World Series... Well, that's why I'm not, I don't that's think why I'm not fans on Twitter. Which, 
I don't think I don't think Mets fans would shut up for like generations, know, bro. No, it would be like the greatest. Well, they still thing talk in about nineteen eighty six. Like, I know it would be the greatest like moment in Mets history, possibly. So yeah. I. Well, I, yeah. I we're, if, we're jumping the gun a little exciting. bit about the World Series, but I we will are, say, we're, well, of course, we're jumping the gun. Yeah, but I will say in terms of the like reasons why I guess one could be pessimistic. Um, if you look at their, you know, their next their their top starter, their rotation right now, I should say, it's Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Williams, David Peterson, TBD. Uh, or Taiwan Walker, I suppose. That's the these are. Right. Exactly. Um, that that's it's a little worse. It's like it's like they just signed Trevor Cahill. Um, you know, it's just like I don't know. <laughs> I don't like. Yes, they might get Tyler <laughs> McGill back, but like they're not. This is not like they don't really have anybody. Yeah. So that's what scares me about this team. I think that they're winning kind of despite these injuries. It's very weird, um, and I do think. That if they are getting you know a more challenging schedule, which again they they face you know they've done well versus good teams, uh, you know, but as it gets warmer and the like the average has increased by ten points over the last month of hitters. It was two thirty, now it is around two forty. Um, you know, as as uh, a lot of the a lot of the you know bullpens, right? Like if you look at guys like Aaron Ashby or you know, uh, just around the league at, at teams that are kind of trying to stretch out relievers into starters, those players were, were kind of contributing to the average, uh, or have been contributing to the average getting hotter or better. Um, you know, if you look around the league, like, like players are getting, you know, they're acclimating. Um, and so the Mets have the Dodgers, the Padres, the angels, the brewers, uh, over their next 12, uh, 13 games. And so, you know, like that's going to be a, that's going to be a huge test. Good test. Good test. And then after, of course, the, uh, after, of course, the Marlins, they have four games. It's a, it's a non-consecutive two games or four games, but it's two games, the 21st and 22nd against the Astros, two game series versus, or three game series versus the Marlins. And then, uh, the Astros again. So, um, yeah. So you know the schedule is gonna get gonna get a little tougher coming up, um, and I think it's you know the Mets are going to be tested, and I really don't think they're gonna end up with like a hundred wins or something. But given what's happening, I think they could win a hundred games. I, I I really don't. Um, I still I'm not as pessimistic as like my '87 or '88 projection. That was kind of like I didn't know this at the time, but kind of like in line with with a lot of the, the Vegas and you know, uh, um, draft Kings and whatnot, or, uh, right. But, um, I just think that they're, this pitching staff is too thin to not get exposed and their bullpen has been better. But as again, as it gets warmer and we've literally seen the league average, uh, batting average climb, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, and especially as bullpens are getting exhausted, right? Like when you had fewer games, you could just have, pitchers uh like bullpen these bullpen guys your best guys go you get a couple days rest and have those guys go again now that we're playing every day essentially your worst bullpen guys you can't hide them in the back pack of the back of the pen so um you know well i think i think as time will tell we will we will see the mets lose a couple more games but um i would say here on out i would i would probably raise my projection to about 93 94 wins but um yeah. So now 
I want to, we will try and be as quick as possible with this one, but yeah, let's be, let's be quick. Okay. Um, right now, uh, Glaber Torres and Francisco Lindor are both significantly better, uh, than they were last year. It is a very interesting Lindor over his last 11 games. He has, or excuse me, his 11 RBIs, uh, or excuse me, he has 11 games straight with runs batted in, um, in his last 10, he's batting 375 with 20 runs batted in. And Glaber, of course, in his last six, he's seven for 24 with with four home runs in his last six games. So both players are, are heating up. Um, you know, if we look at what they did in 2021, Glaber, I mean, had a very forgettable year, 125 games. He had a 317 Woba, 103 uh, or no, excuse me, uh, 94 runs uh, WRC plus, 307 Woba, 51 RBI, and a 259 average with nine homers. Uh, Glaber had a terrible, terrible season. Uh, what do you think is different? And we'll get to Lindor, but what do you think is different this year about, about Glaber and his approach? Like what, watching him every well, I think day? Well, I think a big part of it is the fact that they moved him back to second base. You have to remember that when Glaber was struggling, they had moved him to shortstop. And shortstop is a hard position to be um, good at offensively, and also he just wasn't. He came up as a shortstop, but it was clear it was clear that he was a really good defensive second baseman. He was an okay to below average defensive shortstop. That weighs on you, um, and I think I mean when he when the Yankees moved him to second base at the end of last season, all of a sudden you saw an uptick in his offensive production. So I don't think it's a coincidence. He started off the season a little bit slow, but now he has something like 118 like rated runs created plus. I think the slugging numbers are a little bit um, worrisome, but you know he's 25 years old. Uh, he's cut his K rate has, has been cut down a few points. Um, so I don't know. He's only 25 years old. I'm not. I I was kind of like jumping off the ship, um, but when I was jumping off the ship. Mind you, the Yankees had gotten off to a little bit of a slow start with the season, and I was under the impression of here we go again over the past like three years of just torturous, like terrible offense from the Yankees, even though they've been a good team. Um, so I was being a little bit of an extremist, but I just think the consistent play, uh, you know, players are creatures of habit. Um, you know, he's been batting clean up a lot, so that means that the Yankees have been trusting him, and uh. And yeah, I, with Lindor, I don't know. Because with Lindor, I do think that his numbers ha- were steadily declining. I don't know if it was um, a change of the league, change of ballpark, and used to National League pitching. I know that was kind of like an old school like thing that we used to say back in the day. Like, oh, he has to get used to facing National League pitching. I'm not sure if that's really a thing anymore. Um, but, you know, the Mets paid... Lind- oh, sorry, I got to touch with my mom. Sorry. <laughs> got to deal with my mom. Sorry, mom. Um, you know, the, the Mets paid Lindor $341 million for a reason. He's one of the best shortstops in the game. So, so when I was killing him, it was because of the fact that he was being paid that much. I was saying this is a guy who while putting up decent numbers, is not really living up to the $34 million a year price tag. Um, but especially over the – I think he just won NL Player of the Week 
Lindor. So, especially over the past couple of weeks, he's really begun to pick it up. And um, look, if you can get it, if you can get it done in New York City on the Mets, if I think I think there's a learning curve there. I think when you're a player like Lindor, when you come from an area where they're not going to kill you if you do bad. Uh, when you're called Mr. Smile, and then you get up to the plate and you strike out your first like eight times out of your first like twelve at bats, and then you start hearing boos, it's a little bit jarring and it's something you have to get used to. Well, I think um, the, the if you you know well a couple things uh, I'll start with Lindor, you know for if in terms of a decline right like I look back and I and I you know saw like okay like if we go back to when he was at his best, which was 2018. Um, you know, like 120, 118 WRC plus gold glove defense, uh, you know, uh, close to win, you know, or I think he had like a top 10 MVP finish, like an all-star, like considered 7.8 war, 7.8 war, like one of the best players in the game at that point, probably top 15 player. I go back and I think like, what was different? And the first thing I look at, look at is his hitting profile you know, like, like his, you know, chase rate and strikeout or strikeout rate or like how often he swings and, or like, you know, where he's hitting the ball, if he's hitting more grounders, fly balls, yada, yada, yada. Um, I looked at his, you know, spray charts and nothing is really significantly different. Nothing is, you know, jumps off the page. Um, then I thought like, okay, maybe his like savant page or stat cast page is different. Like, you know, maybe, he's just like injured or maybe he's like not swinging as much or as hard or like, and that's also not different really. So there's really not much difference between at least uh, in terms of the advanced metrics or the underlying metrics, right? The things that kind of add up to produce the results. Um, You know, anyone can say like, you know, Oh, this player improved, but it's like, where's the why to the what? And yeah, exactly. I think with Lindor, he had a, a, an extremely good year in 2018, um, but that and that very well may have been his best year. But in terms of a decline, I think we we're looking at a year where he was his best in 2018, or the rabbit ball year in 2019, and and potentially part of 2018, where home runs were up 25 percent or 20 percent or something. Um, yeah. Then you have you know, COVID, which I think you kind of have to throw away. And then you have his worst offensive season or worst season pretty much ever uh, where he still kind of managed to do well. I mean, if you look at that year, it's actually weird how people treat it like it's this horrible year. He had 20 home runs in 125 games it, and like it's in, played it's, gold glove defense. But again, it's in comparison It's in comparison to A, what he's done and B, what he was being paid. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's not like a horrible season. He had, he had a, a 103 weighted runs created plus. He had a 4.2 war. Um, he got on. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's not great. It's not great for someone who was making 31, $34 million. Well, I will say, if you look at this season. Slugging uh, 412. Fangraphs has a cute little tool. It's like a, it's not a projection system, but it's like everything you're doing right now, if you were to do it at the exact same pace by the end of the year, what would your numbers look like? I, I, honestly, I have so much fun doing this. It's just like, again, not a projection system. Literally like, you know, if you have, if there's 20 games in the season and there's there's 10 games of the season played and you have two home runs, it suggests you'll end the year with four home runs, if that makes sense. So do you want to hear Lindor's, uh, if he continues on the pace he's going right now, he will have 25 home runs, uh, 134 runs batted in and bat 261. 
So I think he is on pace at least, and 120. He has a 126 WRC plus. Uh, so that's those. You know, in terms of uh, weighted on base average of of qualified players, um, uh, that's that's actually not top ten. But never mind because I'm not including. Uh, I'm including a too big a sample size. But that's in terms of WAR. That's like top four. So for shortstops, I should say. So um, he has been he's been fantastic. He got off to a slow start, and he's still playing Gold Glove defense. And again, if you look at this year, the, all the peripherals are actually surprisingly consistent. He has basically had the same approach his entire career. Um, and I think that if you want to say he's on the decline, I think it has way more to do with the external factors, like ballpark, like switching leagues, like, you know, um, right, being older, before, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, like, then it has anything to do with his actual, you know, any kind of approach. Um, I think that Francisco Lindor is yeah. going to have a fantastic year. And I think, however, let's just talk about, let's shift gears to Glaber. I am, have been on the Glaber train for, you know, or the Glaber improvement train for a while. I think, that, I mean, I, I mean, I know this is not like a huge, uh, interesting fact, but like I, dra- I, like I drafted him pretty early in my fantasy league just cause I like really do like him a lot. And I just think that his approach Again, very similar to uh, Glaber, or excuse me, to to, to uh, if you look at his expected stats, he's very he's underperforming all of his expected stats. Or he did that all of last year. Um, expected stats essentially take your launch angle and your hard hit rate, and regardless of defense, because you know hitters can't control the defense. Um, it 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 like it it puts together based on what everyone else does, like what it thinks you'll do. And Glaber Torres has last year, you know, has a huge gap between his expected stats and his, uh, you know, his stats. So I wanted to look at the same tool with Fangraphs. Do you want to see Glaber Torres' projected stats if he just did everything yeah, he's doing at the rate he's doing now? So he would play in 159 games. He would have 30 home runs, or 31 home runs rather. Uh, he had 83. He'd have 83 runs batted in. Uh, and he would be batting like 250, which is like kind of in line with what he did, like slightly worse, but like again, d- worse run environment. Right. I think. Like, I think. Lind- I think. I think. Uh, Glaber um, suffered a similar fate. I mean, Glaber's much younger than Lindor, but I think that he, uh, I believe it was his 2019 season when he hit almost 40 home runs. So, I think that that kind of then, you know. Judging on like like some of his peripheral stats, like you said before, that kind of sent a lot of these uh, projection dudes like sent their antenna antennas up. And I remember there was a there was like a projection stat of what like he was projected to do over the next like four, four or five years. years. Well, I think that was kind of I remember that graphic. It was actually from MLB. Okay, it was from MLB. It was directly from. Right. I don't know who did it, but it was like okay. Um, but they were the numbers were, were were ridiculous. Now, yeah, they projected you know, him like the, forty if, home runs a year for the next like five years, or whatever. And this was when he was like twenty two. I know, I know, we have to we have to wrap up. Yes. Um, but I, uh, I think if I were to choose somebody, it's hard. It's a hard conversation. I think it's a little bit too early for both of them. If I had to choose somebody who I think would is going to have better year to year improvement, I think it has to be Glaber. Just because I, I'm 
afraid that Lindor might have already reached the peak of his potential. So if you're talking about year to year, and that might not be true. I could be completely wrong about that. I just, I just feel that. You know what I mean? I could be totally wrong. Yeah. And well, again, it's June first. It was a tougher. It's June first. It was a tougher yeah. call before the season started, um, because definitely, of course, there was nothing to think that Glaber Torres, you know, his last great year was what, like 2019, 2018. Prior to this, the track record yeah. wasn't fully there, um, and so we didn't know. But like. I think that actually Lindor, if you look at like the percentage differences, you'd have to go stat by stat, obviously, and just look through. But like, if you go from like let's say I don't know uh, nine home runs to like thirty home runs, that's already like a three hundred percent improvement. Like, yeah. average wise, Glaber Torres is always going to be like two fifty because he has like he doesn't really walk much and he strikes out a fair amount. But like. I don't know. His it, it, it's important to state, though, that we're not talking about who we think is going to be the better player. No, we're not. We right. think about who who we think is going to improve Relative more. Relative to their previous uh, year. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And if we're talking about, like, I don't know, like, future outlook over the next five or six years, I think that over year to year to year, I think Labor Torres has that ability. But if we're just talking about this year as compared to last year, I, I don't know. Well, but if we're talking I, about over the next four to five years, I I think you have to choose Glaber. What is also interesting, I don't know if you um I would I actually was not aware of this. I'm just looking at Glaber towards his savant page. Um oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm on it too. And it's weird because it's like if again, if you look at like his profile and like his yeah. um you know, his just like a, a very similar very similar to Lindor his approach at the plate did not change like much at all from a uh, year to year. And when you go back and look at what he did in 2018, again, when he had like, you know, that great year, um, nothing that he was doing, like he wasn't really like his line drive rate, which is a you know a huge sign of success is, was 25% in 2018, 24% in 2019. It's 20, it was 21% or it's 25% last year and 25% or 26% last year, 25% this year. Like his ground ball rate is definitely lower this year, which is a great sign. And it's kind of back to what it was in 2018, 2019 at 30, you know, in the mid thirties or uh, high thirties, but that's still, it was like 41%, 42% in, you know, in uh, years previous, that's not like a huge deal. So anyway, 95th percentile and average exit velocity and it's also jumped. It's jumped by four miles per hour off his bat over the past couple of years. So it's gone from 92%, I mean, 92. 95th percentile per this year from last year was the 15th percentile. And in right. 2019. Last year, it was, last year, he averaged 87 miles per hour exit velo. Now he's averaging 92. Yes. Yeah. So, and so, it, it's weird because his, his max exit velo is very low. It's in the 80, in, in the 35th percentile, right. but he hits the ball hard a lot. And he, um, you know, has relatively actually has pretty not great plate discipline <laughs> actually, but that's fine in this day and age. Like, so I don't know when that ballpark, I think, I think the answer at this point is pretty clearly going to be Glaber Torres. We can probably put this debate to bed. Um, but prior to the season, it was, it was much more, it was much more of a, it was a much better question. I think like, right. Cause um, they were both playing like shit. <laughs> yes. But like relative to, I think like Glaber Torres had the much lower floor, but like right. maybe exactly. not and the much lower ceiling, I guess, too. But I think, yeah, um, yeah. definitely. All right. So that's going to do it for us today. Um, 
just I don't know. Catch us next week. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we're gonna see uh, again if the Mets can handle some of these uh, tougher teams. The Dodgers, the Padres are a little cold, but um, they're gonna by the next time we record, they're gonna catch. Uh, they're gonna be done with the Dodgers series, and you know the Yankees. We'll see if their injuries are gonna pile up. Um, let's see if they I'll can stay hot and. You know, we're going to have a lot to discuss. Hopefully, Judge will be healthy by the time we talk again. Um, you mean Stanton? Did I say? Oh, I said Judge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stanton. Yeah, come on now. Stop it. Stop it with these, with these fucking voodoo, like, whatever. Well, the Yankees have the Tigers, the Twins, the Cubs, go, and baby. the Rays, and then the Blue Jays. So. That's, a, that's, a, that's a lineup of games, baby. Let's go. So you can pad your win before you see cut. the Rays, Blue Jays, and Astros. Let's fucking go. All right. That'll do it for you again. Go. I am Nick Wilson. Uh, I'm also under the Uh We cover the Mets and Yankees on the podcasts.